Welcome to the Transfix Take On, where we bring in a variety of leaders to come on and give us their take on a specific subject. Today, we're taking a trip on the road with some powerhouse women to discuss what it's like to be a woman in the trucking industry. Joining me in our roundtable are five of the 10 board members of Real Women in Trucking, Jessica Graham, Debbie Desiderato, Michelle Kitchen, Natalie Hasopadilla, and president and founder, Desiree Wood. Now, Real Women in Trucking is a 12-year-old group run by veteran truck drivers who are committed to supporting women in the industry through advocacy efforts. These women are truth tellers and trailblazers. Welcome to the show, ladies. I would love it just so that people can start to understand and, and get used to your voices If we can kind of go around and, you know, just say your name, how long you've been in the industry um, and where you're based out of. And then we can start from there. Desiree, I'll start with you. I started driving in 2007. I um, actually am living in Nevada right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Las Vegas. Hi, I'm Debbie Desiderato, a.k.a. Deb Dingo. Um, I've been trucking since 2002. I'm an independent carrier, and I'm based out of a small town in Virginia called Patrick Springs, which is not even really on the map. <laughs> Southwest Virginia. I am Jess Graham. Uh, I started in 2012 in heavy trucks, and I am based out of Atlanta. Hi, I'm Michelle Kitchen. Um, I started driving in 1988, and I am from Michigan, and I run Michigan to California and back on a 10-day run. Oh, wow. Hello, I'm Natalie Hasekudia, and I've been driving since 2010, and I am based out of La Mirada, California, Southern California, L.A. area. I want to start today with the mission of Real Women in Trucking. I mean, you know, I've obviously been watching this um, uh, enormous advocacy for women's rights and trucking when it comes to not only their safe men, but fair treatment and equitable work situations. So for those in the industry who have by slight chance never heard of Real Women in Trucking, can we hear how the organization plays a role in these efforts? The advocacy work that we do are on issues that the industry the traditional established industry did not want to touch with a 10-foot pole and actively work to cover up and it was dangerous people were getting hurt and somebody needed to say something and bring it to the forefront and what and let, let's get real specific right like what what are some of the biggest issues that you're currently that you fought in previous that you feel like you've kind of made a headway in and, and what's currently happening today well, the, 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 the one reason that we first started um, speaking out was because of the really unsafe training that goes on. And as a result, or sort of a side effect of that poor training was that women were being targeted for recruitment over and over and over with no plan on what happens when they're sexually assaulted and harassed during that training Um, and that whole business model of bringing students in hundreds at a time every monday at these big fleets and matching them up with whatever trainer was there who might only have been driving two or three months more than the student and having pretty much the blind leading the blind 
but also having some trainers that are not teacher material, that are not safe drivers themselves, and should not be on a truck with another human being, male or female. And the violence that was happening between same gender and the sexual violence that was going on basically left the victim afraid to tell anyone because this was their new job and nobody wants to call the police on their new job. And this was their last chance to get their life together. And the, the way to handle it was, we'll just leave you in this motel here and this predator will go back to the orientation center and get another student and we'll just leave you in this motel and pretend that we don't know you anymore and hopefully you'll get sick and tired of waiting for us to call you and you'll go home on your own that was pretty much how this was dealt with um so we've come a long way since then we were just all in a meeting with the federal motor carrier safety administration this week that went really well and i'll let some of the others talk about some of the highlights of that um, deb and i were already appointed to another um, board for under the fmcsa called the motor carrier safety advisory committee subcommittee we had one meeting and we hadn't had any others this um, new board, the Women of Trucking Advisory Board, we have a couple of people on that board and we were very vocal during that. So this is a huge change from 2007 when I started where the FMCSA was like the Wizard of Oz, that you didn't really have any way to know what it was and who it was behind the curtain. And now we have like cell phone numbers and direct emails and can have a conversation with these people that are, you know, regulating our lives. And, in, and informing, you know, being able to have that direct line of contact, I think would really help the fact that we can shed light on the carriers, right? And the companies mm -hmm. that are doing this. Do you feel like that happens often because these carriers are smaller, they don't really invest in their human resources department and there's no structure around cycle, I mean, safety in the workplace? Uh, smaller carriers, yeah, they don't, they, they have, you know, somebody that used to work in a call center that became a dispatcher and now they're running the HR office. We see mm -hmm. that a lot. But some of these bigger companies have two or three people that have an HR degree mm -hmm. to work in these offices and often they are your worst enemy when you report something to them. Yeah. But also many of the people that come into trucking never even heard of an HR office. They don't even know what that is. Maybe they came from, you know, the guys hung drywall their whole life and the women, maybe they were homemakers or they worked in fast food or something. So there's a lot of paperwork those first few days and so much information being thrown at you that you're like, your head spinning. Mm -hmm. So the last thing that on your mind is I should find out who the HR person is and get their email. Yeah. And what would they and what are they going to do for me anyway? Because at the end of the day, the HR person is there to make sure the company is protected, not the worker. Yeah. So your going to them is a step in their policies and procedures, but you are actually being debriefed by the enemy and you need to know that. 
Now, I'm curious to know too, you know, for, I think mostly for Deb and for Michelle, have you seen a real change over the last couple of, or the last, I would say decade since Real Women in Trucking? I'm setting you up to say yes, but I also, you know, want to hear anecdotally, what has changed to you? Well, I think the federal motor carrier has changed a lot where, like Desiree said, they're a lot more accessible now, <clears throat> which um, also makes them a little more accountable than they've ever been before. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's a good thing. And and like Desiree said, we have access to their email and phone numbers and stuff. Um, I believe they're trying, but I believe like the... Uh, <clears throat> the Motor Carrier Safety Advisory Committee um, we that was put together about a year and a half ago. We had one meeting um, and the motor carrier was pretty much bombarded with the, the issues in trucking, which at the time, and nothing has changed, was truck parking was like number one. Right. Um, nothing has changed with that, but the issues are... I feel like more than the FMCSA can handle, I feel like they're overwhelmed. And so really nothing gets done. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, a, a problem was that, you know, they only had the one meeting, the Motor Carrier Safety Advisory Committee had one meeting in a year and a half. And, uh, you know, to me, that's unacceptable. You know, when I questioned them about it, they said it hasn't gone, gone away. There's going to be another meeting. But, you know, what are we waiting for? These issues in trucking are immediate needs. Right. Um, that's just taking forever. I mean, what, what did we study truck parking for about 10 years or something? You know, we've known it's been a problem for a very long time. And, and now with the electric trucks coming in, they're going to be taking up a whole bunch of spots at the truck stops. Right. And that's only going to make things worse, but... I think the changes I've seen is some of these carriers got smarter about outwardly discriminating and and stuff like that because they can they can manipulate that discrimination so it's not so and, and the, the treatment so it's not so close to the the media or the surface where you can see it because they can regulate our mileage. They can give us the equipment they want to, like junk or something. Mm -hmm. There's a million ways to be mistreated and mishandled by these companies. And I think a lot of them have gotten that smart. I don't want to call it smart, but I don't really have a word for it. So they know the system. And, 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 and there's a coercion hotline that the Federal Motor Carrier has. But to get people to understand they're being coerced hmm. by their carrier is a whole different ball game. They don't, there's a lot of Stockholm syndrome because some of these carriers have, you know, you're at your last leg, oh, we'll take, we'll get you in here, we'll train you and you're going to make, you know, a thousand dollars a week paycheck and that's more than they've ever made, right? Right. And, and so when you go back six weeks on them, they're like, no, I can't leave. Uh, no, I'm not going to tell on them because, I mean, they saved my life. And, 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 and I mean, they, they could give them this 1920 truck that doesn't have any heat. And they're going to complain about it maybe on Facebook, but they won't turn against their employer. And the employer is counting on that. 
They're counting on that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to me, it's coercion. Because back years ago, I mean, we, it, was, it was pay to play. You know, yeah. you go in these scales and, and you might have to <laughs> dish out some cash because your logbook was wrong or whatever. Or you sit for eight hours back when it was eight hours. And then you can leave. And now, you know, they make this logbook a huge thing and we're out here racing it against the clock. When in actuality, logbook violations aren't moving violations. They do nothing to driver's license. But these companies don't inform their drivers and teach them the correct way to log and stuff because they can use that in their file against them. And they right. and they get yeah, and they get speeding tickets and stuff out here, which are moving violations, which limit this driver's ability to go someplace else. So now the the employer that's employing them right now got them by the short hairs. You know, oh, you got a ticket. Nobody's going to hire you. So can you go ahead and run this New York City for me? I know you're out of hours, but, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. So that there's so on the surface, we know that there's these carriers and we're trying to make people see it. But also below that surface are these other carriers that are trying to outsmart truck drivers and the federal motor carrier. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, it, it, I mean, I've seen, I've seen changes in training and it's gotten worse. I mean, I was trained by a mega carrier in 88 and I had great trainer. I had a great training system. I mean, right now, I mean, every minute that you're out here, you're just lucky to not get in a crash. Seriously. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I mean it, it's just, it's out of control everything's like everybody has to be wherever they need to be first it used to be cars we used to complain about that but now it's the trucks yeah like i just went through downtown st louis it's 50 miles an hour down through there and guess what i'm going to be the last one at the party because i'm actually going 50 (laughs) and the rest of the world is not (laughs) you know so 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 it's just it's changed it has changed not for the better some companies have adapted to women drivers and actually found out that we're a lot safer and we get less tickets. We're, we're, we're less, we take less chances, I think, with their equipment. That's right. But um, it hasn't changed. Uh, there's a few companies, I'll say, that have done that, that have done the homework and, 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 and done the assignment. The rest of them are just trying to make a buck. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious, Jess and Natalie. What is what's your perspective like on the industry today? Oh, for sure, there is this predatory nature of training and getting your start in the industry. Like the others have said, you start out on your last. Nobody goes into trucking because they're like, "Hey, I'm just doing phenomenal in every area of my life." No, it is. You're hoping that this shot that this company is giving you this last thread, this last piece of, you know, it's sink or swim. Um, Mm -hmm. And you're just hoping that you're going to be successful at it. But according to indeed.com, only one in six people that enter the industry make it out of their first year. So that statistic right there is ridiculous in the 17% success rate for new truck drivers. Where are we going wrong? We're, we're not training drivers. We're not preparing drivers. It is uh, life or death out here, but it is also culture shock going from indoor plumbing to you might be peeing in a cup on the side of the road 
um, regularly or going, you know, just having to that being set up for success, these companies aren't doing it. Um, and that's that's the the biggest problem I see right now plaguing the industry. Um, and then everything else is is a byproduct of it. Poor training leads to then poor trainers. And that leads to not knowing how to treat your drivers. That means you don't know how to treat your men, your women. Like it, it's all a trickle down effect. Right. Natalie, what about you? You mentioned you are a team driver with your husband. I, I'm curious to know what was training like for you. Did you train with your husband? Did he train you or were you kind of out on your own and then you came together? Okay. So when I first started, I was able to get a job local um, in Los Angeles, California. And I actually did intermortal and ran the rail containers um, by myself for six years before I actually went in the truck with my husband. I make jokes that if my husband would have to have trained me, I would not have been a truck driver today because there's just no way, right? So it's more, I try to encourage females and everyone that's coming into the industry. And I know with, you know, like I said, it's, it's a touchy subject with, you know, the sexual harassment and being placed with a stranger and stuff. But I always tell them, it's just, your emotions you're going underneath a lot of it's a lot to take in at once yep. and i don't know about you but when i have a loved one if it's either my brother or cousin or some best friend you know you got to be professional keep a customer service type of thing and when it's family and you're you're i would have probably cussed them out you know what i mean we probably would have been out there fighting in the park but when it's a, someone else you're not going to do that so i i always recommend if they can you know go with someone and learn and then you know get into the truck with each other um when it comes to i have seen training is crazy because you've got people that are not even six months out here and that's and they're training the other you know drivers already when they they shouldn't be training you know and then not only that i feel like um the way everyone sees it they just see truck driving you know it's like it us truck drivers that have a lot of years or been doing it it's a hands-on type of job we've you know started from the bottom and we worked our way up so we can we can make it look easy but just because we make it look easy doesn't mean it is easy so what i'm getting what i'm coming across i have people because i do social media and stuff they're always asking me they're like oh it looks so easy it looks like it's not that big you know how hard can it be and you know it's obviously there's a lot more that goes into it you know we have 70 hours when we start our clock exact we have 14 hour days you know i tell them first of all do you even enjoy driving like do you like driving like they just see dollar signs you know and so i think that's why they come in thinking like oh but then when they come in and they don't know nothing about the industry they realize you're working a lot harder what you thought you were for that money you know to make that paycheck than what they they think it's just you know it's easy and they're just going to be getting all this money and it's not it's a lot of sacrifice that some other drivers have to do depending on you know i tell them when you first come out into the industry you start from the bottom and you got to work your way up you know they it's just like any job you're not if you 
got hired at McDonald's and the employee's been there for five years, they're going to have the holidays off, you know? So, and you're out here on the road and you're by yourself and a lot of people don't talk about depression and I tell them, you know, don't come out here and feel sad or don't feel lonely. It starts with, you know, because they ask, do you talk to truck drivers? You know, do you get to talk to other truck drivers? I said, yeah, I do. I go into the truck stop. I say hi, make friends all the time. But if you're not a social social person and you don't say hi first, you can't just stare at somebody and think that you're going to have that communication or feel, you know what I mean? So yeah. there's a lot of stuff that comes into it that a lot of, you know, and the younger generation and ones that are coming in, they have no idea what they're getting themselves into. And a lot of people don't realize just because I have my husband in the truck, it's not all fun and games. We are both truck drivers. Therefore, when I'm sleeping and it's my turn to sleep, it's not like I get to hang out in the front with my husband and just drive down the road and we're like on a camping trip. I got to, you know, make sure that I get my proper rest so that I can be able to drive my shift safely. So a lot of times it's really just, you know, waking up and saying hi and getting your coffee and I love you. And the other one's getting in the back and going to sleep while the other one's driving. So, you know, but we make the best of it and it works for us. I mean, you know, all of these, all of these things considered and trucking is not for the faint of heart. And, you know, I think that I would argue women are more equipped to deal with sort and unfortunately so right psychologically, all of these differences and hardships and challenges that are being presented to them right up front when we're talking about entering a job and training and then even getting past that in a year later, it's, it's hard to be able to balance that. Well, I'll start. Um, I joined a different group. I was pretty excited when social media started because um, when I when I started driving a truck, there wasn't any. Okay, so um, so I joined another group, and um, yeah, that didn't last very long because it was it was it was um, it wasn't even really a social uh, social group because if you said something that was not if you didn't read their minds and decide that that was something they wanted to talk about, then they kind of kicked you off their sites and stuff, and so um, I was really excited to find this other one, and then Desiree actually when I became a member actually called me herself and talked to me like um like I was welcome and so um and I've seen a lot of this stuff that they're talking about although we didn't really have solutions before because there was so few women out here anyway and we didn't really see each other very much and we didn't have social media so you know you kind of kind of had blinders on a lot you know um so that's how i that's how i got into the situation and i'm glad i did i met desiree i think around 2012 or 2013 or something um i'm not exactly sure how we met but we were filming in new jersey we were making some kind of movie that wasn't very good <laughs> it went nowhere um, but it was a lot of fun. And all I knew was she was from Utah and she was getting involved in something. I wasn't really sure what it was. And then I found out it had kind of quite a bit to do with mega carriers and um, uh, sexual harassment in training, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. 
I couldn't really relate because I never really worked for a mega carrier and I never was sexually harassed. Um, maybe I just got lucky. But anyway, I soon found out that there was um, more to the group than just that. So I stuck around and, you know, I soon learned that, you know, she's an advocate advocate for all truck drivers and you know we have so many issues in this industry um but yeah so that was now about 10 years ago now i was on i believe the same site that michelle was on and i was excited because it's about five six four or five years ago i my daughter i had homeschooled her in the truck and then she'd gotten out to finish high school in michigan with my sisters and so i was just looking to kind of connect with people like mm -hmm. me because i learned that the, the longer i was in trucking the less i had in common with my friends and the old way of doing things like they didn't understand yeah. oh call me when you're in town absolutely not because you won't answer the phone at three o'clock in the morning when i pull into your town and i'm not going to be there very long so uh I'm not going to bother so I started looking for trucking groups and uh, found one that I was excited about too. And I learned real quick that if you did not say that everything was all cupcakes and dolls and fun um, and actually wanted to like talk about real experiences, then you were quickly put in your place by their admins and or kicked out of the group. Um, you could not have an opinion outside of their opinion um, and share it. And um, yeah, so Idella actually saw me in that group because she sits in a bunch of groups and just watches to see who's going to talk back. And then she <laughs> makes friends with them and invites them over and says, hey, we got a better group for you. Uh, mm -hmm. And so... I, I joined as soon as I realized who Idella was and, and joined and got that call from Desiree and, and got to know her. And then she's like, you know what? You really need to start standing on your soapbox and sharing your story because it's important that people hear that no matter what your struggle is, you can you can do it. Here I am now. Here you are, yeah. So I first heard about Real Women in Trucking um, I was actually nominated to be part of the Queen of the Road Awards. Um, a couple of years later, I was introduced, and then I was kind of just like watching and stuff. And so I do social media for fun, and I've been encouraged, you know, to try to show females, like, if I could do it, you can do it too, to come into the industry. I'm starting to build my um, social media on TikTok and I want to be able to spread awareness and then also not only that, but also really bring attention to real women and trucking too, to let females know in this industry that, you know, don't have a voice or they don't feel heard, that there are places that they can go, that they can feel, you know, comfortable and speak up and you know, everybody wants to kind of just do their own thing when it's like, you know, hey, did you know they exist over here? Because they've already done some awesome things in the industry. So why wouldn't you want to be part of them? You know, why wouldn't you want to join and then let's all be awesome together? So that's why I really um, joined Real Women and Trucking. Desiree, what's it like hearing these? I'm sure you've heard them before, but what's it like hearing these women <laughs> talk about this? 
Well, it makes me feel really good because I too <clears throat> was looking for something when I started in 2007 and was encountering problems. And I also found that group that formed in 2007, the very same year that I entered this industry. So I bought a membership and I thought, good, you know, I'll support this organization and together we can make improvements. And I quickly found that I was stalked online. I got hmm. death threats. I was sent emails in the middle of the night asking me why I was trying to take all the men's jobs and bring up all of these issues that were, you know, must have been me. I'm the only one because everybody else is fine. I, um, I kind of pushed the envelope and joined the organization a second year because I wanted to force the president into a corner to choose between a driver and a company because mm. she would could she would not be pinned down to answer the question directly. She was very cagey with everyone trying to hang her leg on both sides of the fence. So she did when when the Dan Rather um, show came out called Queen of the Road with me and it talking about bad training and sexual assaults going on in companies that I later learned were her corporate sponsors. But it was very hard in those days to find there was no transparency whatsoever. Right. And there still is not very much transparency in trucking. So she revoked my membership. Then I learned that they were blocking and censoring a lot of women that were coming to them with the very same problem. That was their method to keep this swept under the carpet was to chase you away and make you feel like there was a pro you were there, you were defective. So real women in trucking really started as a protest group. We never thought that it would get to be this far. It became a membership organization around 2013, 2014, when we filed for our IRS um, determination. And we've gone to, you know, the White House and the Department of Transportation, Federal Motor Carrier. There's a feature like documentary about our work. I mean, we're drivers. We're drivers just like everybody else. And though our community might not be as big as some of the others, we have quality people that really have something to say. And 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 the women are cool. They're cool. Like we've gone on cruises. We've stayed in Airbnbs together. We've spent time together. And um, it's so rare to find run into another woman truck driver on the road. But we just really don't talk to each other. Everybody's in a hurry, and you're trying to remember what you're supposed to remember. But now there's so many people that we've seen that have made lifelong friends from this organization, and they have something they never did before where they were just in their truck alone. So that always makes me feel really happy to see that this person is, you know, best friends with this person now because of this group or all these doors opened for this person because they became part of this group. And I think that that in and of itself is why more women today stay in this industry because they know they have a place like this to exist. Now, would you say, and I can throw that to anyone here, would you say that you have seen more women who stay in real women in trucking that have struggled at the beginning decide to stay a driver because of real women in trucking? 
I mean, I, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I have seen people that normally would have just walked away from all of this. And yeah. so now I'm an expert witness in some of these cases. So I'm able to know a little bit more details about what happened to them after the incident, how it changed their life. And as somebody that has been sexually assaulted myself, and I know how it changed my life, yeah. that I isolate myself. I'm not, I don't like being out in public with lots. I'm not just a real big socializer. So I understand that they walked away from their dream because this incident happened that could have been prevented. And they're always kind of looking over their shoulder at this thing that they really thought that they could do. And they probably would have been great drivers and this industry failed them miserably. Yeah. And they, they, they always kind of miss it. I do see some women that'll like, they'll go away from it for a couple of years and then they'll come back and make another attempt at it. And I am surprised how many women, the, the, the path to success that they found after that was becoming like Deb is an owner operator that's under their own authority that does what they want to do, goes where they want to go when they want to. And that is basically says to me they know they are not safe at any company in this industry they cannot be trusted to protect women that's how that's how they, they can only trust themselves to protect themselves and let's talk about queen of the road which is Ooh, and correct me if i'm wrong there we go it's it, it, am i right in that it's an annual award ceremony that honors women who are both um alive and they're also posthumous awards to honor those that have uh, previous, you know, passed away and have done significant efforts within trucking. Just tell me what, what is Queen of the Road? Queen of the Road, yes. we are in our sixth year um, of doing this award and it started as the first dignified recognition of women drivers and the contributions that they have made to the industry. Not only just the contribution, but we've, we all have overcome so many tremendous obstacles and have made it's our life and, and we're thriving out here. So um, we are in our sixth year. Um, and up to this point, we've been able to share the story of 78 dynamic women who have just thrived and done quite a bit in the industry. We took a break from it in 2022. During the pandemic, we held it in Las Vegas yeah. and it's brought a lot of us together um that have been part of it over the years so we feel like it's really important to, to hold it no matter if we can do it in person at an event or do it virtually it's when you when you look and you you think what am i out here doing this for um we tend to be so invisible out here and that's a lot to do with our you know folks we got to focus on our mental health that's important you know but it comes to a certain point where you're like, I mean, would anybody even know? Does anybody even realize I'm do what I'm doing out here? And then all of a sudden somebody says, oh, wait, when I think of an awesome lady driver, this is the person I think of. And um, that nomination, when somebody nominates you for this award, it's like, oh, you really think like that? That That's how you see me? Because I don't see myself that way. And then, you know, when they share the story and, and getting the award, I mean even just getting nominated for it, like Natalie said, it's, 
it it makes you as a driver as a woman like wow somebody actually sees that and sees me um and it means so much to every woman that has had a a nomination written about her to read how my how this is how my friend or my family or my company sees me and it it really empowers and and i think that's what's helped those women rise up and and continue on and actually make make it a bigger commitment to changing the industry and making it better and we ask that if you know of a female driver share her story let us know about her because we want to meet her and that's that's more of it is we want to meet these phenomenal women drivers that we might not have met. Right. That's how we become best friends. Right, Deb? I love you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if I could say something real quick about um, recognizing drivers, and this goes for, you know, both male and female. Six days ago, Jenny, you could probably appreciate this. You know, the, the Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center? Yep. Okay, so six days ago, I'm watching the news in the morning, and the news anchor, I won't mention her name, but it was Channel 4 News, um, she acknowledged the Christmas tree for making its way from, I think it was upstate New York. Yeah. Uh, where really? it from? She acknowledged the Christmas tree for making its way on time to New York City through last night's storm and i couldn't believe what i was listening to not once did she mention like the truck driver getting the tree there on time but she acknowledged the tree for getting there on time despite you know the storm By magic <laughs> oh. like, like magic <laughs> what a tree and that's the only thing not not her toothpaste or her makeup or the clothes on her back or the couch right. she's sitting on or nothing else yeah and that, that's really unfortunate. And I think that in and of itself is a testament to, I mean, I honestly, I don't know if I ever thought about it before working at Transfix. And, you know, then I started to realize literally everything I touch is delivered by a truck. And there, it, there's a person, sometimes people behind the truck operating it. So I just don't understand the logic of not, you know, being able to acknowledge that plus, you know, take, take it outside and be a four wheel driver. And now all I think about is I've got to give them room. I've got to give a driver room and let yeah. them know that they see me. I got because you know I just you, you start thinking about those things. So I I think part of the reason why I'm I'm saying this out loud is because you have to think in that way, right? These things are it doesn't yeah. magically appear. There are not it's not autonomous vehicles They're... are not a thing right now, you know. And even if they are, where they will be somewhere down the road there are going to be people still running those trucks. So regardless, mm -hmm. you have to think about that and their safety yeah. and their livelihood and what they have access to as basic humans. Um, yeah. People need to think about that. Everything you touch, people don't understand that everything that they go to the store to buy and online, there's a person that's in one of these bad snowstorms, like Michelle got off the line right now, She's driving straight into Michigan right now. There's drivers, you know, in up there in Erie. I remember myself being up in the Buffalo area when there's a bad snowstorm like this. And I got to make my appointment. Yep. And I've got to keep going. Unless they shut the road down, I have to keep going. And there's a lot of millions of drivers out there right now going through that. Yeah. 
it's scary. It can get scary. It can get really dangerous. People don't realize that, you know, and, but you have to, you have to make the appointment. You have to drop off your mm -hmm. shipment on time. Yeah. Um, before we move away from queen of the road for, because you're looking for sponsors for those that are interested, how can they get in touch with real women in trucking to sponsor queen of the road for 2023? So it's real women in trucking at gmail.com or Jess at real women in trucking.org. I'll have that in the description of the podcast. So that way you can go ahead and, and email right away. Um, before we go, I would love it if we can just go around sort of the table, if you will. What is the one thing that you would like to be solved or see some kind of headway in? And if it's the same answer, it's the same answer. That's okay. For 2023, what would I like to see? Um, I would actually like to see more of these truck drivers that do social media and claim to do so much for our industry actually do stuff for our industry and make a difference like for example you know joining rural women and trucking or joining an organization that's already been formed that's actually making a difference in the industry already instead of just being on their platform and you know complaining about the issues and stuff that's going on but let's face it they're not they're not making a difference either they're not even trying at the end of the day so that's my goal is to try to bring awareness to look there's a lot of you know good that's happening in our industry there's a lot of problems that can be addressed and as a truck driver at the end of the day you say you care about the industry you care about making a difference what are you actually doing that you can say you are making a difference in our industry uh for next year um i was just reading this morning that the uh the eia which is the energy information administration um according to their last uh their last posting which was uh, November 7th, the national average diesel fuel prices is uh, $5.33 a gallon. I think this is the most immediate desperate issue right now because we don't see all the trucks that are going bankrupt right now, and it's happening. Yep. All the DOT numbers that are being voluntarily revoked because people just cannot afford to run anymore. But according to the EIA, they're predict, predicting uh, diesel fuel prices for the first quarter of next year to be $5.12 a gallon, the second quarter $4.69, and the third quarter $4.38. So it's, it's gonna be coming down. So, if anybody's like struggling to stay afloat and that's not enough like it that's still you know two dollars higher than it should be but it's a heck of a lot heck of a lot better than it is right now and i think that is the most pressing issue as of right now i would like to see freight rates go again in a better light uh right now they're just plummeting and it's hard being a small independent, like Deb said, you know, with our rising costs of everything, our insurance is going up. Um, 
you know, fuel is sky high. So our cost of doing business is, you know, we're, we're surviving, but I don't want to be in this industry for the next five years, just surviving. I actually want to thrive and grow. Um, As you should. So I would like to see freight rates match the pace at which fuel prices are, are fluctuating. Like if it, fuel prices are going high, I, freight rates need to go high to be able to um, keep the carriers competitive. You know, it, I I don't have the, the luxury of buying fuel at, you know, pennies on the dollar in, you know, boatloads of it at a time. Right. So. Well, I'm, I'm, I would like to see some immediate action from the FMCSA on these bad companies where these rapes are happening. Uh, five years ago, they could say they didn't know, but now they know. They've been delivered firsthand the information. And so now it's time to take action. A lot of women have been hurt. Well, most of this industry has been playing with dolls and trying to pretend everything is hunky-dory. I would like to see some broker transparency with yes. you know, what Jess and Deb said. Yeah. I think that a lot of these brokers are skimming the profit um, during this. When we have high fuel prices, the drivers are not getting the fuel surcharge passed on to them that the shippers are paying. And I'd like to see a tax credit that goes directly to truck drivers who have to pay for truck parking out of their pocket. Um, had a couple people talk to me about it, and I'd like to see more people get together so that we can make a plan to put forth. Because if we're going to paid parking and drivers are not reimbursed for paid parking, like everybody else at their job is reimbursed for paid parking, right. then we need to have a solution. Because I don't see anybody wanting to put in more truck parking if they're not going to be getting paid for that real estate. There's a lot of work to be done. There's a, yes. quite a lot. Um, that's all the time that we have for today. But I really wanted to thank Desiree Wood, Natalie Hasapadilla, Debbie Desiderato, Jessica Graham, and Michelle Kitchen, who had to jump off the call to finish uh, getting a load in on time. Uh, thank you so much. And again, if you want to check out more information on Real Women in Trucking, that website is realwomenintrucking.org. If you're looking for spon to sponsor the Queen of the Road, you can email Jess. Uh, just right at realwomenintrucking.org or realwomenintrucking at gmail.com. With that, ladies, thank you so much. I, I can't say I'm, I'm very honored to know each and every one of you. Uh, you know, I, I say that from the bottom of my heart. And um, but that said, I will speak to you soon and drive safely. Be careful out there. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. See everyone. Bye-bye. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of Transfix Inc. or any parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the participants are affiliated and may have been previously disseminated by them. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are based upon information considered reliable, but neither Transfix Inc. nor its affiliates nor the companies with which the participants are affiliated warrant its completeness or accuracy and it should not be relied upon as such. All views and opinions are subject to change.